Well, as we get ready to look at John fifteen seven, one of the practices that we have in, employed to help us in, in beginning Scripture memorization on it is just to repeat this verse to, together a few times. And if you've memorized uh, John fifteen five, and now we're memorizing John fifteen seven, if you really are feeling, why aren't we uh, doing verse 6, uh, just because we're only looking at 7 doesn't mean you can't add 6 in if you want to. All right. Back when we did Psalm 46.10, I added 9 and 11 for my own personal desires. Uh, you know, I do that every now and then. I'll add a few verses. But, uh, so if you want to add 6 in, by all means, be my guest and do that. But we are, we're focusing on, on the instructions for us. Verse 6 talks about what happens if you don't abide in Jesus, which maybe is a, a good thing to memorize as well. But our primary focus has been what is Jesus' instructions in these two verses. And so in, in chapter 15, verse 5, he instructed us to abide in him with a, an, an active abides word. And now in verse 7, he is reminding us again and encouraging us again to abide in him. So let's, let's see what this verse has to say. Let's say it a few times together as we start to work on memorizing it. And then we will get into the message this morning. So let's say this together, shall we? John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All right, now we're going to take away some of those words so you can just fill in the blanks as we go through this. All right. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. All right, so one more time. All the good big words are gone. All right, here we go. Let's see if we can fill in these blanks together, shall we? John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you for you. almost wanted to say two, and that's a word that's up there. I mean, come on. But that's all right. We, we struggle sometimes. That's okay. But it will be done for you. And so here's the thing. We were uh, back in June at the very beginning of Pentecost season and celebrating uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We looked at John chapter 15, verse 5, where uh, the instruction, you know, he says, uh, you know, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And today we are looking at verse 7 where he says again, if you abide. And so we're just taking off the S on the title there, but abiding is overwhelmingly the focus of this chapter, the, the, the statement that he is telling them in this passage and in this verse, that we would abide. And, and in fact, that's, that's the, uh, the, the contrast made in verse 6. In verse 5, Jesus says, and he had been talking about the, just as the, the branch needs to hold on to the vine, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the focus is on that we are to be connected to Jesus like a branch is to the vine. And that if you cut a branch off from the vine, 
that vine is still going to be strong. It's still going to live. But that branch is going to die. And then verse 6, that's exactly what he says, that if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. If you, if you cut off the branches, and, and recently we've got a, a grapevine at our house, and I'm, I've been tired of it, so I've started cutting the branches off. And what do I do with them once I've cut them off? I don't save them up. I just toss them away. Throw them in the trash. And that's what he says. Is the branch is thrown away, and it's dried up. And he says, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We have two options, abiding in Christ or not abiding in Christ. And if we abide in Him, then we will bear fruit. But if we don't abide in Him, then we're like a branch that's been cut off and just eventually tossed in the fire, which is a picture of eternal judgment and the end of days. And then in verse 7, he says, uh, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So, so he, he, he goes back to the idea of abiding in Him. If you abide in Me. Now it's not just the... the um, in verse 5, it was whoever, He who abides in Me and I in Him. Now it's back to a focus on you. If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you. Now it's earlier in verse 5, it was He who abides in Me and I in Him. But now it's my words. And, and what's happening here is, is there's actually a, a structure that the Jewish people used to emphasize things. Whereas we will like to put things at the top of a heading and then we'll have some subpoints. Or sometimes what you like to do is you make your subpoints and then you bring in a rounding conclusion that just makes everything tie together. What the Jewish people would do is what we have termed chiastic structure. All right, so for instance, if you take the, the, if you abide right there at the top, all right, the very beginning, if you, and then the next word is abide, okay, if you abide in me, and then watch what happens, if you abide in me, waiting for, there it is, <laughs> uh, then the next part is my words, if my words, and if my words, and so me and my words, they're a, a similar idea. And what's the next part of that verse? If my words abide, so those are the same idea. Abide and abide. And how does it end? In you. So if you and in you are on the very outside, and then the word abide is right next to them, one going in and one coming out, and then right in the middle is in me and my words. And so what this does is this has a, a, a quality of focusing our attention. Our attention gets focused into the middle. And so specifically here, the focus is on in me and my words. That, that's what this structure is designed to do as we walk into it and walk out of it. If you, in you, abide, abide in me, my words. The, the, the purpose is for us to focus our attention on Jesus. And, and truly, that is Jesus is the focus of our attention. The whole point of this verse, as we are looking in a verse that says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, Jesus, not what you wish, Jesus is the focus of our attention. 
And I think sometimes what happens is people get to focus on what they wish. And this is one of the struggles in a lot of the, the prosperity gospel is that what is the, the, the focus is not on the giver, it's on the gift. The focus is on what I want. And what Jesus becomes now is just a means to an end. He is how I get it. How awful to turn Jesus into such a debased existence. His purpose is just to give me stuff. His purpose is just to to bless me. No, Jesus is the focus. If you get Jesus and nothing else, you've been blessed above and beyond what you deserve. Jesus is the focus of our attention. And that's what He is saying here as He sets this up. If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you. The focus is Me and My words. And that when He says My words... Uh, well, let me not get there so fast. I go, oh, I guess I can get there, okay. So when he's talking about words, uh, you know, Jesus is the Word made flesh. And when we talk about Jesus as the Word made flesh, we talk about logos. The, the Greek word there is logos, where we get logic and um, any other word from logos you want. And, and it, it means the idea of the Word and the existence of the Word. But the Word used here, if you abide in His words... The, the word that, I won't even say the word that Jesus used because Jesus was speaking in Aramaic, but John wrote it in Greek. So the word John used to help us to understand what Jesus was saying is the Greek word rhema, not logos. And rhema has the idea, it's words, but it's the literal words you have spoken. Okay? So for instance, uh, I can tell you I said hi to John yesterday. Okay, I, I spoke the word "hi" yesterday. That I, I I would you know that is the logos. But when I actually said "hi, John," that's the rhema. Does that make sense? To to talk about the word is logos, or the the existence of that word, like the the word "hi." But to speak the word "hi," to say "hi," now that word is. Rhema. And so what Jesus is saying here when He talks about if you abide in Me and My words abide in you. He's saying the things I have actually said. The words I have actually spoken. The commandments I have given you. Those things you honestly heard Me say. And just think about this. Do you know of anybody who has... Uh, certain sayings that they always say, you know, you 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 just that that's and, and those sayings become, to a certain extent, part of their personality. Like growing up, we always you know we had the sayings my dad would always say, and whenever you gotta understand, we had five kids and two adults cramming into a vehicle to go on a trip. Do you think those trips ever got out on time? No. So when we finally loaded up in the van and finally pulled out of the driveway to go on a trip, my dad would always say, and we're off like a herd of turtles. You know, that was just something he said. That was every trip. You ever know anybody that said we're off like a herd of turtles? He did. You know? 
And another one, in fact, I was watching my, uh, my son's soccer game last week. We, yesterday he had a soccer game. It was a, a, they overpowered the other team. It helped that the other team was down a person. But it was still not even a contest. A week prior, though, they played a team that was so much better than them, had better foot control, had better ball control, had better, everything was better. They just were unlucky. They kicked so many shots on goal that were just off or hit the crossbar or it, it was amazing. And then we got some lucky bounces that just went in and we barely pulled that game out. Well, I say we, I mean they, you know, I, I speak as the we is in the team I was rooting for. And I turned to one of the other dads nearby and I said, I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week. And, and that's something my dad always said. And I think there was a ball player that had said that, you know, that I, I couldn't tell you who it was. Maybe somebody can remind me after the service, but that was something my dad always said. I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week. And, and I remember we had a man in our church uh, down in Richard. He couldn't, he couldn't understand that statement. He, he, he argued with me about that statement. He'd always say, well, it's better to be good. You can't rely on luck. And I said, I know you can't rely on luck. But any day of the week, it's better to be lucky than good because no matter how good you are, you could still fail. But luck, you just happen to win. I'd rather have that any day of the week. Now, he just couldn't understand it. But that's one of those statements. That's one of those phrases that my dad would say that has become a part of me too. And the same thing is true with the statements that Jesus has said. You know, you might have somebody that always has a, a certain phrase they say when they're working. They have a certain phrase they say when they're driving, and we, we might not need to hear all those phrases. But, but you know, there, there are certain things that we say, and they are, to a certain extent, a part of who we are. And so when Jesus says his words, he, he's, he's talking about something that's a part of him. These are the things that are important enough that he felt he should say it to his disciples. He taught us his heart, his desires, his will. And he says, if you will abide in my word, in me, and my words abide in you, it's, it's focused on him throughout the whole thing. And, and what he wants in that is Jesus wants us to live committed to him. Because that word abide, it means to rest or to reside, to continue in, to persevere. And so when Jesus says, if you abide in me, the idea is, is that you stick with me through thick and thin. When the going gets tough, when the going is easy, when you don't fully understand, abide in me, rest in me, stay with me. But the second part of it is also if my words abide in you. And that means that we don't just say, oh, I love Jesus, I like Jesus, he's a great guy, and, and I'm friends with Jesus. No! But does his word abide in us? Does the things that he said, his commandments, do they live and rest and stay in our hearts? Are they the things that become our sayings? You know, this morning I had a perfect opportunity for this. I hate it, but I did. We were blessed this morning with a bunch of people on two-wheeled uh, implements of torture. And that torturing themselves isn't enough. They have to take away all the major thoroughfares from my house to this church. And they, they get the, 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 the government enforcement agency, otherwise known as the police department, 
to make sure I can't get on the road I need to get on. You know? Nope, I have to go around the cycling thing. And as I'm driving, and, and of course it would be today, the day that I have to be here early. Of course. And so you can imagine just the stew that's working in me in my car as I'm driving. And fortunately, though, God has placed sponges in the car with me called children. And I recognize I don't need to poison them as I poison myself. And as I'm stewing and just thinking about how wonderful it would be to do some carnage, I'm reminding myself, but these kids, I'm actually trying to raise them to know Jesus. And they they might actually know him better than me, and they won't accept this. And so I have to say to myself, you know, I just need to pray. I need to relax. I need to calm. You know, and one of the things I thought to myself was, yeah, I am frustrated because I don't know that they're out there. I didn't know yesterday that I was going to have that problem. I would have left 25 minutes earlier if I'd known. But God knew. Jesus knew. He didn't see fit to let me know so I can live with this. This interruption in my life. And, and there was a time in my life that thought never would have occurred to me. But as I've walked with Jesus, now that thought comes in. Now, it's, it's not my initial thought, obviously. We're working on that. Maybe in another ten years, I won't even be bothered by this thing going on in my life where they cut off my road and they say no, you know, like Gandalf, you shall not pass. But right now, I have to walk through that thinking process. But... The point is, is that as we walk with Christ, as we abide in Christ, and as His words abide in us, we start taking on the character and the quality of His commandments, His words. And and that's what He wants us to do, to live committed to Him. Not just to say, oh, I'm going to worship Him on Sunday, but that the heart attitude that I have when I'm worshiping Him on Sunday would be the heart attitude I have when I am serving Him on Tuesday at my work. Or when I am dealing with some creation of His that frustrates me because they don't think the same way I do when I'm at the grocery store on a Thursday. Or, or whatever it might be. Even the, you know, the, the cyclists that were out there today. They are created in His image. They are people that He loves. And so I need to love them too. And that's what He has called us to. If our word, His words abide in us, that we start letting Him guide us. And it, it's not something that just happens in a, a short period of time. It is, it is for the long haul. It is, he is calling us to live steadfastly for Him. To abide. When Jesus sent His disciples out, He told them go into these different villages and, and share the Gospel. And He said, whatever house you enter into, stay there. The word was abide. Stay there until the time is over for you to be in there and then leave. It, he's saying don't go to one house and then go to another house and then go to another house, which might be what I would want to do because I would hate to burden one household for a week. But he says, no, abide there. Stay. Stay there. Whatever they put before you to eat, eat it. Receive what is given to you. Stay there. And that's what he is calling us to do as believers. Stay. Abide. You know, I think about the, 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 the parable of the sower and the seeds and the the different soils, and of course you get the road, that the, the, the seed never even gets into the road, the birds pick it up and eats it, and then you get the, so, the, the seed that goes into the rocky ground, and the rocky ground, it, it grows up, but because it doesn't have any roots, it dies. 
It doesn't have the ability to produce fruit because it doesn't stick around long enough. And Jesus tells us that, that those are people whose faith is shallow. They don't go deep. And so they fade away when things get a little bit difficult. That, that's not a committed relationship. He says there are other people who are like the, the seeds thrown in, in, in the soil that had weeds. And as they grew up with the thorns, the, the thorns choked it out and it wasn't able to bear fruit because the worries of the world became more important and greater and their focus was on the worries of the world and so any faith they might have was choked out of them. That's not abiding. When we are called to abide, even when the sun gets hot, dig your roots down deeper into Him. Let the seed of His Word grow deeper into us as is truly what we should say so that what is being produced in us will live. Be committed to Him. Not just for a day, not just for a year, it's for the long haul. There might be things in your life today you're thinking, I really wish this was changed. You know, write it down. Look back at it in five years. It, you might find it had changed. You might find it hasn't. You might find it's gotten better. But some things take time. Some things we can correct on a short-term basis, but some things take time. And He is about taking the time to help us grow in Him. We need to be about taking the time to stick with Him. If we're not there today, then we keep going for tomorrow. To keep going, keep going, to focus on Him. That is what it means to abide. And that's what Jesus wants for us, is to live in a committed relationship with Him. To be committed to Him. And it's in the focus of that. If. Notice the word is if. It's a conditional statement. It's a conditional clause. If you abide in me. And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. And again, remember. The focus is not on ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. The focus is on abide. Abide with Christ. Let His words abide in you. Grow in Him. Rest in Him. Trust in Him. And within that relationship, as we serve Him and as we rely upon Him, as we abide in Him, as we rest in Him, as we remain and wait and persevere, within that context, He wants us to know what kind of a relationship it is. And He says, whatever you wish, ask. Whatever you wish, ask to, to make a request, petition, whatever. It, it means just that. Whatever you wish. What is your will? What is your desire? Ask whatever would be your desire. Whatever you wish. And then he tells us, and it will be done for you. Now, it's so amazing, and I do it, and you probably are thinking it right now, and every commentary you could read on this is going to tell you, well, it's in the context of making sure that you're only wanting to ask things that are already in God's will. As long as you're wanting to ask things that are within the context of your growth. You know, We always want to give God an out, and we want to make sure that we separate ourselves as much as we can from things like the prosperity gospel, where, that, that, where the focus becomes on asking what you wish, 
And so we want to we want to hedge it a bit and say no. Uh, you, might, you you need to make sure you're only asking for things that are within God's glory, God's desire, God's you know what what He would do for you. And, and I've thought of that too. You know the, the 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 whole idea that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, yeah, because if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, you're not going to have sinful desires. Your desires are going to be holy and righteous for Him, and of course He'll want to give you those. But I don't think that's really what God is telling us, not just in this passage, but in many passages. Yeah, the context is our spiritual growth. In fact, in verse 8, he tells us, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so the, the context of this verse is definitely with an eye of our desire to grow, our desire to live with God, but let me ask you something. If, if, if you have struggles in life, doesn't that affect your faith in Jesus? Uh, if you're doubting, if you're struggling with where is my next meal going to come from, can't that potentially have an impact on how you think of God? I know many people who have, have had desires that were unmet, and they took that and said, therefore God doesn't love me. What kind of a relationship, what kind of a, a situation, a, a connection does God want us to have? Is it only for spiritual growth? Obviously that's important and I'm not trying to put that down. But Jesus didn't put an asterisk on whatever. And, and God doesn't put an asterisk on whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, think of, think of the Old Testament kings. They, they did so many rotten and think, horrible things that you weren't supposed to do as a king. You weren't supposed to increase your household of wives. You weren't supposed to have a lot of uh, horses. And, and yet they did that. Solomon had thousands of horses. He had world-famous stables. He had over 300 concubines and over 700 wives. He was not doing what God wanted him to do. His father David wasn't doing what, his, what God wanted him to do. You know, man and woman. One. We see uh, Jacob, he had ended up having four wives. Two actual you know, ceremonial wives and then two maidservants that were given to him because his two wives were fighting over how many children they could have. He ended up, in essence, having four wives and 12 children. And then David, he had several wives, and prior to becoming a king, he had several wives. And, and, and then he stole a man's wife. And then when she became pregnant, he killed the man because the man wouldn't help him cover up his sin. And then he took that man's wife as his own. And, and the thing that David did angered the Lord. And when Nathan the prophet came to David and said, look at what you've done, he spoke on behalf of God and says, thus says the Lord, I anointed you king. I rescued you out of the hand of, of Saul. I gave Saul's household and all of his wives into your care. I gave you the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that would not have been enough, I would have given you more. In essence, we can understand that God is saying, David, if you needed more women in your life, I would have provided them for you had you asked. But what you have done this is 
horrible what you've done to kill another man, to steal his wife. But you know what God does? The, the child that David and Bathsheba had in sin, God uh, killed that child as punishment for their sin. But the very next child that David and Bathsheba had, that's the child that ends up being his heir, Solomon. What is God up to? There seems to be an essence where God acknowledges David's choice in Bathsheba and brings up Solomon. In fact, he tells us Solomon's name as far as God is concerned. He is Jedediah. I love him. You know, just think of things like Moses and the Israelites and they're walking through the, the wilderness and they're grumbling and complaining and they want water, and God, God has in the past said, you know, strike the rock and water will come out, and so Moses did it, and it worked. But another time, he said to Moses, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. But Moses, he's angry, and he's frustrated, and he's tired of the people, and he's tired of the situation, and he says, do I need to bring water from this rock? And he strikes the rock. And you know what's amazing? Water comes gushing out of that rock. Now, after the fact, God comes to Moses and says, you're not going into the promised land because you treated me as contemptible. Moses didn't lose his position. Water came out of the rock, even though Moses was disobedient. God dealt with Moses. But he also brought water from the rock. And... and I think the, if, if, you, if we look at Scripture, God is not sitting around trying to figure out how He can stick it to us. God is not sticking around trying to figure out how He can make our lives more miserable. I'm not saying He wants to give you a Cadillac, and I'm not saying He wants to give you a nice private jet, and I'm not saying He wants to set you up in the lap of luxury, but God desires to bless us. He does have the desire to bless you. He does not desire to curse you. It is His desire to give you the kingdom. He desires so much to bless you that when we went the wrong way, when we all of us have gone astray, each of us has turned to His own way, He caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus. He gave us His only begotten Son. He sent Him to the cross so that He might bless us with salvation and life. God desires to bless us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that's a hard thing for me to accept. It feels like, well, no, I've got to earn it. I've got to do the right thing so that God will, will bless me in certain ways. And I've got to accept that He's not going to give me all those other things. And, and do listen to this, that material things are not necessarily a blessing. Sometimes the blessing is the absence of those material things. I remember hearing a story about a, a, a Christian in the early, you know, after the, the time of the apostles, but early on, and he was traveling, he was, he was traveling from one community to the next, and everything went wrong that night. Like his, 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 his donkey got attacked and killed by wild dogs, it rained, he was hungry, he was cold, he was wet, he lasted the entire night grumpy and upset. And then he went on in the morning on his journey 
And he discovered that there were bandits in the area who had raided that area for months. But because his donkey had been killed, it couldn't bray. And because of the rain, he couldn't have a fire. And because of that, he slipped right through the bandits that would have killed him and robbed him. Sometimes the lack of material things can be a blessing. Sometimes the difficulties you're going through are the blessing. And so we need to make sure that we're not thinking about blessings in that prosperity way, that material way. But God does desire to bless us. And He does desire to bless us, not just spiritually, not just with life, but also with the things that could make our lives more enjoyable. He has done that throughout, and, and we see him doing that throughout. We even see you know, Jesus providing the wine and the wedding in Canaan. It was the best stuff. It was at the end when you wouldn't expect the good stuff. That's the heart and the nature of God. He wants to bless us. He desires to bless us, but not for the sake of the blessing, for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of, of the abiding. It's when we abide in Him. If His words abide in us, it's within that context that Jesus says, ask whatever you want. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, uh, He tells it to us this way. One more. He says, uh, So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And then he gives us an illustration of that. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg... He will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God desires to bless us. So if you desire the Holy Spirit in your life, if you desire God's wisdom, if you desire to do things in a godly way, if you desire righteousness, if you desire... Ask Him. And don't just ask Him because that's what good people do. Ask Him because that's what you want. That's what you wish. That's what you desire to have. Ask Him believing that He wants to do good things for you. If you're in a financial spot, ask Him. Lord, help me get out of this. Ask Him believing that He will help guide you. Now, I don't know necessarily if you ask him, Lord, just you know, take care of it for me. But sometimes he'll, he might even do that if we're desperate enough. But it's within the context of do we abide with him? You know, and, and, and here's a, an interesting, you know, earlier we looked at the word, word, that it wasn't logos, it was rhema. In a similar way, it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. To do something or to make something is a certain Greek word called poieo, to make, to do. This word is kind of weird. It's genomai. 
It means to, to, to create, to beget, to make it happen. It, it, it's the word that we use to say that somebody has been born. Genomai. It's the idea that God won't just make certain things happen for you or He won't you know, bring it about. No, He will create according to your wishes. And kind of what I, what I, I think of it is, is, you know, you have this stuff called like bespoke. You know, if, if I go to the store and I find a shirt and I take it off the rack, uh, that's just a mass-produced thing, you know. It, it's something that was made and I went and got it. But if I go to a tailor and I say, I would like you to make a shirt according to certain specifications that I have, I, I want three-inch cuffs. I want my collar to sit up six inches. You know, I, I want to be flash. I can't find that on a rack. I'm going to have to go and have somebody make that for me. They are going, to, and, and it's, nobody else has made it, so they're going to have to make it exactly like I like it. They're going to tailor it to my specifications. They are going to genomai that shirt. And so when Jesus tells us that, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's, it's not a grudging there's, there's a certain partnership to it, I would say. That, that God is willing to work with us. I think that's what we saw with David and Bathsheba. God wasn't happy with David's sin, but He was able to and willing to work with David's choices. Even some of David's bad choices He had to work with. Because some of David's sons, that maybe would have been, you know, maybe Absalom would have been a great king. But because of David's behavior... Absalom behaved, and then David didn't behave, and Absalom behaved, and next thing you know, Absalom's dead. But God's working with that. He's working with David's mistakes. He's working with David's sin. He's working with David's righteousness. And he brings out Solomon. And, and, and similar things happen in, in our lives, too. Sometimes we, you know, God's working with us even though we're sinners. He's working with us. And even though we make a wrong decision, you know, I, we see that in the book of Acts where over and over and over again, prophets of God come to Paul and say, don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested, you're going to be chained up, you're going to be bound. Saul, or, excuse me, Paul says, I would rather die in Jerusalem. I'm ready to die. And what do they do? They, they arrest him, they bind him up, he's in prison. And that night, that night, Jesus comes to, to Paul. And he says... Don't be afraid, Paul. As you have proclaimed me in Jerusalem, you will proclaim me in Rome. And, and, and sometimes, was, a lot of people, they interpret that as God saying, see, Paul was right, all those other prophets, everybody that was telling Paul not to go, they were wrong. I see it differently. I see that as Jesus, and, and you know, God the Father and Jesus saying, okay, Paul, you want it this way, we can work with you this way. It'll take a little bit of a different route but we can work with this. And I, I think that's what God does in our... You know, we, the, the will of God is not some steady line that you must stay on. There are certain things that, yes, the road is narrow and it's hard to find sometimes, but the will of God and what He is willing to see in our lives, I, I think that's a little bit broader and He's willing to work with us on that. In, in fact, I think to a certain extent that God wants to work with us on that. that. That it's not just what He wills all the time, 
Sometimes he wants to work with what we want to will. Because think of it, uh, in a a parent-child relationship, how many times do your children want to do something that you'd rather they not do? And yet you either have to watch them do it or maybe even give them assistance in doing it. And you think to yourself, I would rather you take this path, but if you really want to take that path, I will walk down that path with you. And I'll, I'll help you as I can. You know, there are, there are lots of times, and as, as kids, how often do you know that you wanted to do something or you requested something, and you know your parents really didn't agree? They had wisdom that said, you're going to hurt yourself if you do that, but they eventually went down that path with you. There, there's, there's something in a relationship that has to be a give and a take, and, and that's what God has set up from the beginning. Not just that we would automatically always obey. No, He put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and He said, don't eat. But he gave them the agency, the ability to disobey. To make their own decisions. He didn't put, give them the desire to disobey. But he gave them the agency. The ability to choose how to live. To eat of any tree in the garden. He didn't tell them, well, you have to eat this one on Monday, that one on Tuesday. Yeah, eat, eat, eat whatever you want. Just don't eat this one. Don't eat this one. He gave them agency and he's given us agency. He's given us a desire to have hopes and dreams. I think He influences those dreams to a certain extent, but I think somewhat they are ours. And Honestly, I think it's because God delights in working with us. He delights in hearing what we wish. Don't you like to hear what people want in life? What do you really want? How horrible it would be if every time it was your birthday, nobody asked you, what kind of cake do you want? No, they just said, this is the kind of cake I like to make, so guess what? That's what you're eating. Happy birthday. What kind of relationship is that? And that's what we think of God most of the time. No, he says, hey, what kind of a cake would you like today? Huh? I've got the ability to do lots of things. And then we say, oh, Jesus, I would like an eel cake. And he says, no, 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 sugar, you know, flour. We say, no, we really like eel Raw eel, if you can do it, maybe some worms. And then he's like, oh, you guys are a little bit crazy. I'll work with you, though. But how great it is that God loves us enough that he wants to hear what we desire. And then he will work to make those things actually happen, to, to create them, to birth them. I'm not saying that He does everything you want because obviously there do need to be limits on our desires, right? My kids ask, hey, can I really you know, play in the fire? No, you can't. I don't care. <laughs> but He wants to know what our desires are. And as long as we are in that relationship with Him, and, and honestly, you know, if you're in a healthy, good relationship, what do you do? You oftentimes know what the other person will make them happy and you desire to make them happy and so you ask for things. You know, you, you start taking one another in consideration. And we end up doing that with God. And then so our desires, what we want to see in our lives, they start lining up more and more with His desires, right? But God, God will work with our desires. I think God does, enjoys working with our desires. Years ago, I, I uh, had the opportunity to be a wrangler at a dude ranch. And some of those horses, you know, they would just, they were on the trail, just plod along. 
Some of those horses were a little bit of fun. They might go away. You didn't want them to go, but they were worth it because you had a better ride. And I looked at that ride with those horses as being a partnership. It wasn't just you do what I tell you to do, but I had to recognize this horse has a personality. It wants to do certain things. I've got to work with it. You know, that's God in us. He doesn't just want to put us in assembly line and make us go through life. He wants to work with us. He, he will work with our desires. And He wants to hear what our desires are. And He wants to fulfill to the, to the, to the ability that it is good for us and healthy for us and that He sees the growth in us. He wants to fulfill those desires for us. He's not sitting around waiting for us to do it. No, He wants us to bring to Him and ask Him within the context of that abiding relationship. Ask Him, what do you desire? What do you wish? I'll make it happen. It's my good pleasure that you would grow in Christ. It's my good pleasure that you would bear fruit. It's my good pleasure that I could give you the kingdom. Ask, what do you want? And so I want to encourage us today as we think about God's provisions, we think about the struggles that the world is in and that face us in the coming years, believe that God loves you. That He wants you to rest and abide and stay with Him and, and learn His words. And within that context of our walking with Him, He wants to make things happen that you desire to see in your life. He wants to bring that about. He doesn't want to let you stay in the the confines of a sin if you want out of it. He wants to help you get out of that. He doesn't want you to to be bitter and miserable. He wants to help you get out of that. Within the context of abiding with His Son. Living in Him. Walking with Him. Let's say this verse together again, shall we? One more time, then we'll close. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we so often uh, we can struggle with the words that you have said. It feels wrong at times to say, oh, God will do what you want. He will grant you your wishes. And we know you're you're not a cosmic genie waiting around to grant wishes, but that you want to hear what our heart's desires are. You want to know what it is that we wish to see in our lives, to, to, to be able to do. And you want to grant us those wishes. You want to make it happen in us. But Lord, we recognize that it won't happen. We won't bear that kind of fruit in our lives if we're not abiding with You. So Father, we pray that our focus would not be on You giving us things. Our focus would be on our relationship with You. Through Jesus Christ, through Your Holy Spirit. Lord, may we abide in Your commandments and have Your commandments abide in us. That we would grow in the things that You have said. That they would become our sayings that we repeat to one another and to ourselves. And Lord, we pray that that we would recognize You love us. That we would truly believe it. Not just say it because it's what's supposed to be, but no, that we would feel Your love and Your desire to work in our lives to make 
new things happen in our lives. Father, we pray for anyone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray that they would sense the need to abide in Him, to be a branch connected to the vine, not separated, that they might bear fruit of a life renewed in Jesus. Father, we all have things we desire in life. We may have wishes for family members, wishes for ourselves. We may have things that we're afraid of seeing happen. I pray that we would not be shy about bringing them to you. But Lord, that that we would recognize you want to hear from us. You want to hear what is on our hearts and what we desire. Father, help us to bring those to you, to speak them to you, to hope in you, to see those changes in our lives, we pray. We ask these things today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.